My name is Mark Madison, and I am so very proud to have Fujitsu General America as a sponsor. At Fujitsu, they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each Fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end user. My guest today is Tim Brink. Tim is the Chief Operating Officer at the Mechanical Contractors Association of America. He's also the Executive Director of the Association's Foundation, the Mechanical Contracting Education and Research Foundation. Tim brings a unique perspective to his work at MCAA. He's served in virtually every role in our industry, including a contractor, local association exec, and on many MCAA committees. He was the president of CPMCA, which he was the founding member, and a member of both MCA and PCA boards and directors. And in March, he's earned the promotion of CEO at the national level. Tim, welcome. Well, good morning from Edmonds, Washington. This is Mark Madison on Books and People. And today we have the privilege of talking to Mr. Tim Brink. Tim, you're in Washington, D.C. I am just outside of Washington, D.C. in Rockville, Maryland. Rockville. You, uh, I'm trying to remember, how did we meet? We met through Steve Lamb. That's right. MCA of Chicago. You had done a class for them up there. And like you always do, and I think it's a great practice, you asked, asked Steve for a couple of recommendations, and I was one of them. And we hooked up from there. When I was um, the executive vice president of the MNSCA of Eastern Pennsylvania. In Bluebell, PA. Yes. And we kind of hit it off, didn't we, right away? We hit it off right away. I think we, uh, we share a, a, a common background in the industry and a love for our family and our families and, you know, pa uh, just a passion to help people. Yeah, you, and you do that in such an extraordinary way. How did you get started in the industry? Tell us your background. Uh, my background is I, I um, worked summers in uh, our family plumbing company in L.A. My grandfather started C.H. Stone Plumbing in 1924. Wow. And I worked uh, summers uh, in high school and college there. And then went to, went to college at the University of Santa Clara and then was invited to come into the family business in 1986 on a full-time basis and I went through the apprenticeship so I could learn the trade and um, in 1992 I took over the company and I ran it and at the time we were you know a, a small company and over the course of the next few years uh, we grew to a nice small to mid-sized company uh, primarily relationship based uh, in all of our business. Um, and I was there until the beginning of 2006 when I decided that um, a family that, that uh, we, we had a succession planning issue with mm -hmm. the, the, the current majority shareholders. Um, they had go, grown very comfortable in their position there and didn't want to pass it on to the next generation, if you will. So I decided to take my family and we decided to do something different. And I went to work for a local manufacturer rep firm who had about 40 lines in the mechanical industry. And I did that for a year and decided that wasn't my bag of tricks. Um, I, I missed the MCAA 
I was very involved when I was a contractor with the MCAA. I was on the national board. I was one of the first founding farmer, uh, founding contractor members of our local association, CPMCA, and and just loved what MCA brought to the industry and how it helped the contractors. And I wanted to get more involved with that. Yes. Um, because you have a passion for learning and you're naturally curious. I just I love everything about it. And I'm a mentor of mine, John Gentili, who is the current CEO of MCAA. I called him and he said, all right, hang tight. He says, you'll get a couple of phone calls. And I had a couple of fantastic opportunities, one on the West coast, one in Cincinnati and, and one in Philadelphia where I could go and manage a, a local MCA chapter and do what I love most and that's stay in the industry and help people and help their businesses be more successful. So I went to Philadelphia in 2007 and um, stayed very involved in the MCAA nationally. I've been on almost every committee um, and worked there for 11 and a half years and, and last in 2018 John Gentile asked me to come down and be his COO. And at the beginning of 2019, I interviewed with the executive committee. And when John retires in March, I'll be taking his spot as CEO. So it's, it's been a fantastic run and I'm very blessed for the opportunity. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been good for me. It's been great for my family and it's been a wild ride and you're not done yet. No, it's, 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 it's very exciting. It really is. I, uh, I love this industry and I love this association more than anything <clears throat> because I can literally travel everywhere in the country and I have friends in yeah. every city because of this organization. And uh, a few years back, four years ago, actually, um, my wife was going through a little, a, a, major battle with with uh, breast cancer mm. and the outreach and the love that we and support that we received from the whole mca community was unbelievable and and not surprising but totally overwhelming yes and i have such a debt of gratitude that i'm i'm going to work my tail off for these people for as long as i can to say thank you Friends are people who walk in the door when everybody else is walking out. Exactly. You're right. And, and this organization is full of those type of people. That's so great. So in, in March, you're going to be the big kahuna, man. It'll be fun. It'll oh. be, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm, 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 I'm more looking forward to the fact that we are going to send John off in a proper way that, that really will express to him how much he actually means to us. Yeah. I think that's important. That's a bittersweet moment too. When you're, you've done all you can do and it's time to go. And, and people say, Hey, you made a difference in this organization and all these people's lives. Right. And, and he certainly has, and he's been here 22 years at the helm. And I remember what MCA was like before John got here. Cause I was a contractor at the time and it's night and day. It, so it he really, was really a mentor for you. He really was. He really is still. Right. Yeah. So it's a nice segue into the next question. Who who were your mentors and heroes growing up? 
who are the people that made a difference in your life and why? Um, my first boss, uh, a man named Vince Liuzzi, who ran Vince's Wine Village in San Marino, California. I went to the grammar school with his daughter. And it, it's, it's a funny story. And I, my, my dad is coupled in there. I was bugging my dad for a new bike. <laughs> bugging him, bugging him, bugging him, bugging him. Finally, one Saturday, he said, all right, I've had enough. Let's just go get your bike. He says, but first, we're going to go to lunch. And we always got sandwiches at Vince's. And this day, we drove around the back door. And I said, what are we doing? He goes, ah, too many cars out front. We're going to go in the back door. I walked in the back door, and Vince had an apron in his hand. I said, what's uh -oh. going on? Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm your bike. <laughs> he, uh. goes, he goes, you're going to earn your bike, and you're going to work for me. And I, I How old were you? I was 13. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I worked at that deli and, and helped him start a couple extra, uh, start one other store and all that. And um, work vacation time for him and weekends during high school. Summers, right. I worked at a family company. But I, he mentored me. He taught me, you know, how to stand on my own feet, earn my own money, buy my own things. Yeah. And he and my dad taught me that together. That was their plan. Self-reliance. That was, that was, you know, the first mentor I had. And, and really the first one was my dad and yeah. he, because he did that for me. And then um, growing up in the business, I, <clears throat> when I took over the business, there was, we were a very small company. There was a very large company in town uh, called Scott Company big mechanical. They had an office in, in San Francisco and in LA. And Bill Braddock was a, a senior officer at that company. He met me at a board meeting with our, at our local association. And he kind of put his arm around me, mm. shared everything with me. Come on, kid, come with me. Yeah. And so I, Bill Braddock, and then somebody that is known to just about everybody in our industry, there's a, there's a, a gentleman in Southern California named John Odom, who ran Murray Company. Yes. For a long time. He's retired now. Um, and he's a dear friend. He and his wife, Karen, and I went to their children's wedding and all that. And um, he put his arms around me and didn't have any problem sharing how he handles the business and how he handles tough meetings and just life lessons. Yeah, what a great gift. You know, he saw something in you, though. Well, he's, he's a dear friend, and probably, and we went through the, he was one of the people that formed the new association. There was 13 of us, and we, we all did it together, and he was one of the leaders of that, and to this day, we're still dear friends, and he was unfortunate enough to be in Boston watching his daughter finish the marathon when the bombing oh. happened. And he was one of the last people that was released from the hospital after oh. that. Uh, he was severely injured, should have lost both legs, but by the grace of God, he didn't. Oh. And um, just, he's just a remarkable human being. And how he went through that with all the grace and never 
said a bad thing, always had a positive attitude, just really good role model for how you should do things. So, um, well, and as you know, I've done a bunch of seminars for CPMCA and Murray is always represented. They're usually about half the room. Absolutely. So there, that organization continues to be committed to training and education. Mm -hmm. And it's because of John. Well, they, uh, they had a number, they, John had a couple of partners when he was doing it, um, uh, Rick Stafford and Kevin Steffi, and all three of them are just model human beings. And uh, yeah. that, that commitment to excellence has, has passed down. That's so great. Yeah. You've been really fortunate. These guys just said, hey, hey, kid, you know, here's a few things you need to know. Exactly. You know, and, and then I've and now you're passing it on. And I've had some great friends along the way that that um, stood by me, and and you know nobody goes through this alone. Yeah, yeah. So, what's the best business advice you ever got? Hmm. Best business advice is never settle. Mm. Never settle. You know, you can't you can't be afraid to take a chance you know, calculated risk. Right. You know, some people say you're, you're, you get lucky, but luck comes along when opportunity meets your preparedness. Um, yeah. The harder we work, the luckier we get. Right. And you got to trust people sometimes when I, um, when I made the decision to uproot my family from LA and move to Philadelphia, um, a good friend of mine that I met on the MCA board, Mark Rogers, was the president of Eastern PA. And we talked on the phone for a while. He says, hey, we really want you to come out here, come out for an interview. And, you know, there's no contract or anything else. He shook my hand. And he said, I'll take care of you and your family. Mm. And that was probably one of the best careers, career moves I've ever made is um, – moving away from the family business, away from a safe environment and just going out on my own. You threw yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah, it was fun. That terrifies some people. You're not some people. It really does. It, and, um, and now my kids have picked up that trait, which is fun to watch. And they're, they're, um, they're always trying something new and something different. You, you told me your son has jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. How many times? Um, over 2,000. <laughs> and he will tell you there's no such thing as a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And he convinced you to do it? Three times. That's getting out of your comfort zone. That was fun. First time, I was terrified. The second two times, I had a blast. 32 feet per second. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. So your kids are grown, right? Um, yes. Well, one's and still in college. So you got some grandkids along the way? My oldest son, uh, it'll be two years in July, married a woman that had three kids. So I picked up three grandchildren immediately. And this last Friday or Thursday on the 9th, they had one of their own. So now I have four beautiful grandchildren. That's awesome. Yeah. So let me ask you this. How should a man handle criticism? I think you need to take it in because some, 
criticism is a result of perception. And my view is always somebody's perception is their reality. And if somebody's not reading you right, there's one of two things. They don't know all the information or they're picking up on a vibe that you're giving off. Right. And uh, I always, I always, I always take it to heart and, and try to figure out what's the source of it and try and, and use it as a growing point. It's being teachable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you got to learn every day. That's Absolutely. the essence of, uh, and to me, that's the essence of a, a mature person is the ability to take that feedback and say, it's interesting. Why do you say that? And, and say, okay, let me go to work on that. Absolutely. I'm constantly amazed at how stupid I was two years ago, and the cycle keeps repeating. Uh, even two days ago, <laughs> I'm amazed that you know that that I keep looking at things the same way when I know I shouldn't. But right. But um, you know, and, and and in my position, and soon in my my next position, you know, I have we have over 2,600 members that are businessmen and women and own their own businesses and have have their um, their own companies and they've joined our organization for a reason and they all have individual needs and I'm looking forward to the challenge of listening to them yeah and and trying to figure out a way that we can protect our industry make their companies more efficient by giving them resources, developing resources, you know, I, I, by no means am smart enough to go into every company and tell them what to do. But if there's resources that they need, we can help develop them and, and protect the industry we all love. And I'm hearing you say, find a need and fill it. Listen to the customer. Absolutely. So that's a nice segue into the next question. What, quality do you admire in in someone else um open-mindedness um i like people 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 you know i i i love people i i can walk into a room and feel very comfortable um i admire hard work i admire loyalty um you know, honesty yeah. and somebody who's people who are not afraid to say, Hey, this isn't working just because we've done it this way forever. Or I've been in this situation forever that I admire people that can pivot and get on a new track and make things better. Be forthright enough to tell you the truth. Sure. Absolutely. We all need Dutch uncles, you know, yeah, without a doubt, you know, so many people, sit in a situation and suffer forever because they don't know what to do. Um, sometimes you don't have to know what to do. You just got to take the first step. Right. Yeah. What quality do you deplore? You just, it just drives you nuts. Um, people keep doing the same thing and get the same results because that's the way it's always been done. Right. And I know it's not working, but that's the way it's always been done. My One of my favorite stories, uh, this woman was making a Christmas ham, 
and she cut the ends off the ham and put a pineapple on top and slid it in the oven. And as she was looking at the ends of the ham, she thought, why do I cut the ends off the ham? So she called her mom and said, Mom, why do we cut the ends off the Christmas ham? And mom said, I don't know. Grandma did it that way. You better call her. So she calls grandma and says, Grandma, why do we cut the ends off the ham? And grandma laughed and said, well, when we were young, your grandfather and I, we didn't have much. And a neighbor, a kind neighbor, gave us a giant Christmas ham. And I went to put it in the pot and it didn't fit. So I cut the ends off, and I've been doing it that way ever since. Why do you ask? That's pretty funny. And, you know, you said it. If we keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, isn't that the very definition of insanity? Exactly. So the, the ability to question why we do things, is this the best way? It's not, it's not the only way, and it might not be the best way. Maybe we should ask. Maybe we should get feedback. And I, one of the things I love about what I do is, is getting people in a room and brainstorming a particular solution. Well, and it's all in how you ask, too. Right. Right. You can ask in a, in a way that, that gets people to explain themselves and, and share their knowledge. Right. Or you can ask in a way that belittles them and makes them close up. Well, you're, you're obviously having fun with what you do. You love what you do. You're good at it. You know, nobody gets promoted. We get lifted up because we get bigger than our job. And in my opinion, that's what happened to you. You got bigger than your job. And when they look around to find the guy that should be in that seat, they said, there he is there. Well, I, I, I feel very fortunate. I really do. Um, and I will work every day to make sure that they were right. Let's put it that way. Right. It's yeah. a tremendous amount of trust that's been dropped in your lap. But I'm also hearing a tremendous amount of gratitude. Do you think that's essential to a successful life, being grateful? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, you, you have to be grateful for what's in front of you. And you, could, you can spend your whole life being jealous of what other people have, or you can be happy with what you have. And and growing you know it, it, it never serves anybody to be jealous of somebody else you know because you never know what those people are dealing with right on the inside. you haven't walked in their shoes right so yeah i think gratitude is very important but being happy for somebody else the ability to say good for you you know you you, you earned it man as well, opposed to lucky bum he must know somebody no, nobody's nobody's lucky. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I think people that that are successful or that have, you know, good relationships or health, happy kids or whatever you put it in, right? They work towards that. Yeah, and it's a and it's a lot of work, and they're they make their own luck, and that's by doing the right things, making the right friends, and nurturing the right friends, doing the right things in business. You do develop a reputa reputation and a perception of yourself. And I, I can think of hundreds of people in this organization, MCAA alone, that are who they are and they're successful because of the way they treat people. Right. They treat people with respect. They're happy. They love to watch people succeed and do better and take better care of their families. And it just kind of snowballs. What you throw out comes back to you. 
That's karma, isn't it? Yeah. But it's also putting in the work. It's the grind. It's the 10,000 hours or 10 years, whichever comes first. Right. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people say they want something for nothing. And it's like, no, you got to earn your place at the table. And, and that's what we should be teaching the young people today. And, and, I, and, and I don't buy into the stereotypical all millennials are millennials. Right. There's a lot of great people out there that work hard and get it. And I think they're, they're understanding what it takes to succeed. Yeah. And that, that you got to put in the effort. And we need to recognize that. I was at the club last week working out, and I was sitting in the in the area, the common area, watching a game on the TV. And this young man's twenty three years old sits next to me, and he said, "Do you remember me?" I said, "I do." How are you doing, Jack? He said, "Good." We started talking. It turned into a thirty five minute coaching session, and he's taking notes, and he signed up for the podcast and my easing. And he said, "This was so valuable." And I said, "Let me tell you something, Jack. You took one step. I took two. If you reach out, I'm going to help you. So what advice would you offer millennials? What advice would we offer somebody who's new in the business to get ahead and succeed? Find a mentor. Mm. Find a mentor. I think, um, you know, they get a bad rap because they've grown up and they get participation trophies and they get rewarded for everything. And then they get into the business world and it's not that way. Right. You know, you don't, you don't, nobody's going to pat, pat you on the back because you showed up on time, which is what you're supposed to do every day. <clears throat> they need to find a mentor, somebody who will help them through the day-to-day grind and help them chart out a path for their, not their whole career, but the next year or two. Help them learn the skills that they need, get the resources that they need to be successful and help them be an active contributing part of something bigger than themselves, their company, their, their industry, their association. That's great advice. You know, for whatever reason, I had guys, same thing. They pulled me aside and said, let me share something with you, but I'll, I'll never forget this. I was a first year apprentice and this, this, this guy, Jerry, was retiring after 40 years, arguably the best technician in Seattle, you know, could do construction and service. And I was inventorying his truck. And I said, what advice would you offer somebody who's, you know, brand new to the industry? This was like 1982. And he looked at me and he said, you know, nobody's ever asked me that before. And I said, why? He said, I don't know. And then he said, I'll never forget this. He said, be a student, not a follower. He said, borrow boldly from the people around you. The guy who does his paperwork great, do it like that. The guy who's great with people, pay attention to what he does. The guy who shows up early and stays late, do what he does. He said, be a student, not a follower. That's great advice. Oh, and it was, you know, it was one of those moments where you just go, am I the only one that's getting this? Uh, but it's because I asked, right? And your, your success began when you were 13 years old, you know, working, working for Vincent at the wine business to earn your bike. Yeah. And, you know, I thought my parents had the, a simple philosophy. Whatever I wanted, they said, you earn half, I'll pay the other half. I thought they were teaching me self-reliance, Tim. No, we were just poor. Yeah. Right? 
but uh, guess what? It was a but great they thing. self-reliance. Yeah, it, it came yeah. along the way, right? So, oh man, this uh, we could talk for hours. I, this is, I'm so glad you uh, you carved out the time out of your busy schedule to do this. Absolutely, it's been fun. And I, I would ask one last question before we wind this thing up. If you could, you could invite three or four people to the dream dinner party, living or dead, famous or obscure, who would you hire to have dinner with? Not hire, who would you invite? My two grandfathers, because they both died before I was born. Mm. And I would love to know them. Wow. And... Um, I'm not sure on the the other one, but that's that's been that's been a big deal for me because I never had grandfathers. I had two wonderful grandmothers, mm. um, and then I I guess probably Benjamin Franklin, ah, uh. because. Boy, what an innovator, what a risk taker. Just, uh, he, he would be an interesting afternoon, I think, just to get into his head. His autobiography changed the world. It was the first auto, he invented the self-help genre. Yeah. And that was the first biography I read. He was, he was a genius. What a... What a fine human being and what a, what a great founding father. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, what he did after he sold his printing business at, from 50 to 83 was really amazing. The first post office in Philadelphia, you know, the Franklin stove, the bifocals, the list just goes on and on. Absolutely. I think they, I would love to, talk to him in present day so he could see what's going on and just get his reaction. <laughs> <laughs> well, his farmer's almanac was something else, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, Tim, thank you so much for making the time. This has been great. It's always a joy to talk to you. My pleasure, Mark. It's always fun to be with you as well. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training. It doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454. Or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day, unless you have other plans. <laughs>